0: Welcome to the Bridge Church Podcast. Our purpose statement at Bridge Church is to reach people where they are and help them grow. We hope today's message inspires you towards growth and we pray it's life changing. And we hope to see you soon. Let me start this morning with a word about uh, what's happening in Memphis with the situation with uh, Tyree Nichols, if you've not heard about it. Young man was slain uh, while he was in his uh, car driving, and um, he was pulled out of his his car. Um, The five officers were all black men. Four of them are part of uh, the same fraternity that I'm in, uh, Omega Psi Phi, uh, which is a fraternity that is intended to uplift the community. I wrote some thoughts down. Power does not change people as much as it accentuates their pre-existing traits. Power exposes. Power is like an amplifier. Whoever we were before just gets louder. A particular position does not mean it's corrupt. Rather, the position exposes corruption. The ability to influence, though, was given by God to do good for your neighbor, regardless of how your neighbor looked. But when power is used as a means of control, it will dominate, abuse, oppress, regardless of who it's, who's wielding its handle. The police officers in Memphis that stopped Tyree Nichols on that night of January the 7th decided that they would use a petty excuse to enforce something other than the law. Now you would think that five police officers who were black men would see another black man and have compassion and concern. Yet instead, they enacted a gang-style beatdown to a helpless man who eventually tried to run for his life and eventually being killed. In Luke chapter 10, the parable Jesus says about the highest command to love your, love God and love your neighbor. And the Jewish scribe couldn't help but ask, who is my neighbor? Jesus would then tell a story about a Jewish man who had been beaten, who was just taking a walk down a road called Jericho. And here's the point of the story the Jewish priest that walked along that road and saw this Jewish man, the Levite that walked along the road and saw the Jewish man, those were the people that you would assume would have compassion on him because of their ethnic connection. But they were actually the ones that passed him by, even though he had fell among robbers. It was the Samaritan, the one who had no ethnic connection. He was the one that would use all of his power in spite of the traditional tensions in the Samaritan and Jewish community. He's the one that used his power, who saw him and had compassion on him and bound up his wounds. Jesus, therefore, teaches us that our desire to use our power to serve other does not come from proximity or ethnicity. Ethnicity. But rather it comes from our ability to see each other in our highest value that we have been made in the image of God, regardless of our ethnic bonds and our traditions. We also are kingdom people should who should uh, who who also hold this example up of the individual Samaritan, but we also, as kingdom people, ask questions about why Jewish men keep getting beat on the Jericho Road. In the same way the church must. Use its power to hold the state accountable for systemic corruption. If you uh, have any power, regardless uh, if you are part of the criminal legal system, any power, we pray that you are using it for influence to see people, to have compassion around them. I also like to make a point that we have a justice ministry called. Pray March Act, you can go to praymarchact.com and you can join one of our working groups. One of our working groups is the criminal legal system. Why don't we take a second just to pray for that community, for that family? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the opportunity to come together as your people. We honor you, we give you praise, and we acknowledge Jesus that there's a hurting city right now. That there's a hurting family right now that there's a son who drove away just living his life and never came home it is a decidedly corrupt moment when the people you're hoping that would protect you are the ones hurting you god we lift up the police officers there in memphis we pray that they are continuing to use their power for peace, but also to uh, expose corruption in their midst. We pray for the family in the city, and we ask that all of us, all of us would use the power you've given us to serve, to bless, and to have compassion on our neighbors. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, good morning. Haven't seen y'all in a while. Rasul. Rasul was preaching the last three weeks. Did a great job, didn't he? It's always funny. People are like, I like it when Rasul preaches. I'm like, he's okay. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's my brother. Many of you don't know, Rasul and I have been friends for 20 years. We were roommates in the year 2000 of our Lord. <clears throat> So what I want to do is um, uh, we are, this is, this is our last Sunday here, um, and I could go into great detail about how we ended up in this space. This is our last Sunday here, and, and I thought it was appropriate to take just a second and zoom out. Uh, we've talked a lot about, you know, the different types of people that come to our church. There are people who are used to church, and there are people who are just not used to church. And sometimes when you uh, start to be a part of something, you just do it all the time, but you may not realize the basic reasons of why you do it. In other words, we do a worship service every Sunday, and sometimes we've never stopped to think, why do we do it like this? Why do we do worship services? And specifically, I want to hone in on one part of it, and that is the singing part. Why do we sing during worship? I, I, I do this. Uh, the worship team has not come and asked me to give a message on worship. Uh, Mark has not sent me a text message. Uh, but rather, uh, uh, we, I believe that our Sunday experience is actually a public witness. That because we're going into a new space, uh, we are going into that space. And I think there's a particular posture that we can have every Sunday that actually can function as a public witness. Uh, The the song goes, this is a house of worship. This is a place of praise where every demon trembles, where we proclaim your name. At the end of this time, we are going to sing that song. And my prayer is as we sing that song, your mind would fill with who God has been to you. Your heart would overflow, your soul would stir, and your strength would abound with who God has been and what he's done. So we call these things on Sundays, worship services. When we do worship services, uh, I prepare all week, amen? And uh, you're hoping I do. Uh, You're presuming I'm not going to come up here and just be on one tangent after another. And when uh, the worship team comes up there, you're, you're presuming they're going to sound good. And you're presuming that who's ever on the guitar is guitaring, and who's ever on the drums is, is drumming, and whoever's on the keys is keysing, all right? And, and, and this is all your assumption. And that's good, because we've worked hard to do a good job of what we're putting across. And it's, in essence, we are professionals, right? But but I want to encourage us that sometimes we can slip into a trap of having professional worshipers and a consuming audience. Now, this is not an indictment against you. I'm just saying it's a trap we can slip into, especially as we grow larger. It's just something because if it's good enough, people are like, well, you're doing it. Keep doing it. Come on, pastor. Preach. Come on, Mark. Come on, Latisse. So... Singing songs is very different than worshiping through song. Mm -hmm. Singing songs is very different than worshiping through song. And I I want to acknowledge that, um, you know, I've been to, I've preached in Africa. And when I was preaching in Africa, um, I didn't know any of the words, but I felt the presence of the Lord. Mm -hmm. And I can remember thinking, wow, this is really not about the words this is not about style. This is not about denomination. There is these people have come and what, what I learned about that community is that many of them walk miles to church. And before they and they they made their church out of uh, they make it out of dung and, and mud and they put it together, but before they make their building, they just worship under a tree. So they would walk miles to a tree. And in all the way, they, they, there's a sense where they really came ready to worship the living God. And because we live in a very convenient country, sometimes our, our worship can be filled with convenience. Um, so I think it's appropriate that, you know, my job, my goal here today is not your emotions. Because I think there are ways to manipulate an emotional atmosphere. My goal is authenticity with hearts open before the living God. So so walk with me uh, quickly as I just give you kind of an overview of what we mean when we say worship. Uh, oftentimes people make worship and music synonymous, but the English word worship is essentially the state of being worthy. If you... Take the old English word uh, for worship. The root of it is uh, back to a word called weorth. And that basically means worth or worship. And then when you add the suffix ship... Uh, it actually means whatever goes before it, uh, it's the state of how valuable that is. So it can be hero worship, it can be food worship, it can be sun worship, any worship, whatever you put in front of it. So the worship concept, the word comes talking about worthiness and some have even uh, used the word worth because essentially you are giving indication of something's if you look in the Hebrew and the Greek, uh, the Hebrew word histatawa and the Greek word proskikin um, both express the idea of bending over at the waist or bowing down as an expression of homage. So when, when you look at those together, Job 1 and 20, it says that Job arose and tore his robe, shaved his head, fell on the ground... And it doesn't say he bowed down. It says he worshiped. So you see the Hebrew word there is indicating a posture before God of honor and praise. Now, why is our body a particularly important part of worshiping? First Corinthians chapter 6 19 and 20 says, You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. The body expresses naturally what it loves, the body reacts, the body responds, the body honors. If I were to put a picture of my daughters when they were one, everybody would respond, oh. <laughs> or if we put a a, 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 a dunk, right, and, and, there, and it was a nasty dunk, everybody'd be like, Oh, because we cannot help but respond when we see something we are in awe of. If someone gives a great speech, we naturally clap. It is part of our natural condition. So What Paul the Apostle is getting at is we must get our bodies to constantly be reminded of the goodness of God. So therefore, if we were to sing a song, Our God is an Awesome God, it is actually meant to be sung with your mind, your heart, and your soul, thinking of the awesomeness of God, not just singing about it, but it should be teeming through your soul. And so how we sing, is just as important as what we sing because if we sing inaccurate things about god that is not pleasing to god but we should sing it in a way that brings him pleasure the bible says in mark 12 that we should love the lord your god with all your heart your soul your mind and with all your strength and so if i were to sing that song my mind must begin to meditate on the awesomeness of god My heart would then fill with the awesomeness of God. My soul would stir. And then my hands and my feet and my body would begin to move. Therefore, it would not be indicative. It would not be the job of someone up here to get you to move. You'd be moved before you walked in. You'd be moved by not the people here, but the man up there. And so the words are only just ushering you into a moment that you've come here for. Again, so this is my overall point. We want an atmosphere of what we call corporate worship, not professional worship. And it's professional worship when it's so good, y'all do it. But it's corporate worship when you say he's been too good. And so I've come to praise him. I've come to praise him. Okay. So, you, so, the, so they are only inviting you into what you've already come to do. <clears throat> our worship atmosphere, <clears throat> uh, and I don't have time to go into the history of this, but um, <clears throat> a lot of times our uh, worship can, because it has been defined by music, can <clears throat> fall into styles, culture, uh, denominations. And so, um, or your background or your theology. So if you've come from a particular style of church, you'd be like, well, this is what I grew up with. And, um, you know, or this is the kind of music I'm into. And, and, and that is wonderful, but we are not trying to project a genre of music. We are actually just putting God on display. And so our worship is really not about the songs. It's all about the God who we have. So I want to give you imagery of what we're doing, and I just wanna look at the scriptures here in a second. Corporate worship through song, in many ways, is what we call a uh, a PDA. Now, we've all been in a restaurant, and there's that one couple that just, it's going a little overboard. (laughs) We know what a PDA is—the public display of affection—and and and, you know my wife and I will be out, and they're just—and there's (laughs) people. My wife's like, "Look at them! They just got married. They just (laughs) got—look at them! Look at them!" And in your head, you say, "Get a room! Get a room! Anybody want to see all that?" We get uncomfortable. But we must understand that worship is a public display of affection unto God. And that means that you may not be comfortable giving affection publicly. But the key is not just affection. It's actually vulnerability. Many of you have been in a small group. And when you come in that small group, everybody's like, hey, hi, hi. And the prayer requests are, pray for my grandmama, because my grandmama. And pray for the sun, because it's not sun's not been out. And pray, you know what, pray for my throat. I, I just got a call. <clears throat> pray. And then somebody keeps it real. <laughs> Somebody's like, oh, okay, I'm going to pray for sin. Because I've been sinning. Everybody's like, okay, 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 okay. Oh, okay, we're going to keep it real. Okay. Right? And then all of a sudden, the atmosphere changes. Because people are like, oh. And so what that means is in a group setting, it always takes a courageous, vulnerable few to help shape the atmosphere. So that I feel comfortable giving off what I feel on the inside. It's not just about good or bad. It's just about comfort level. And so my, my dad had his 80th birthday, January 1st this year. And he looks amazing. <clears throat> he, he looks amazing. He, he looks better than me, praise God. Um, and his um, so 80th birthday, we went down and we shared a bunch of thoughts. And, you know, and my dad is one of those guys who is not a crier. So when you get him to cry, it's like a victory. It's just like... <laughs> So, you know, we all flew down to see him, and we had this great moment, and then, uh, you know, I gave him some words, and then he gets up there, and he he goes, well, thank you, and you know, and he gets caught up, and you you, you can almost see the thing in his throat, and you're just like, yes, we got him, you know. And we all know how beautiful it is when you have been fully affirmed for things you've done, for things you've said, especially people you helped greatly. You know how fully affirmed you feel. But I want to help you understand something. When we worship, it is not so that God feels fully affirmed. When we worship, it's so that we feel fully alive. You see, we were made to worship. And when you worship God for who he is, you remind yourself who he is. He ain't forgotten. He knows exactly what he's done. And what he's done for you. He does not need a birthday or a holiday. He doesn't need songs. We need songs. If there's something we were made for, as you, just as you exercise, you are fulfilling the full potential of your body. And all of your body was intended to worship the living God. And so when we come here on Sundays, This is the one unique opportunity where we get to gather and publicly tell the world who God is. And so in many ways, we should prepare our hearts and minds to worship in in that way. Jesus has this incredible moment in Luke 19, 37 through 38. The scripture reads, as he was drawing near, Already on the way down to the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice. Now, I want you to notice something. For all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in in the highest. Now, this is uh, the the triumphal entry and, and all that. But I want you to notice, they weren't singing. They were just shouting all the things he had done. And the issue here is the word praising God with a loud voice. That's the issue. Because in the next verse, it says some of the Pharisees in verse 39, some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, teacher, rebuke your disciples. Now this is the only time in the New Testament that the Pharisees say rebuke your disciples. In other words, teach them the right thing to do. Because, and and literally it's the volume that's the issue. They're making too much noise. They're giving you too much praise. And they actually thought Jesus was going to be like, hey guys, settle down. (laughs) And what did Jesus say? He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. Now, Jesus's answer is so profound for for two reasons. The, The first reason is He uses stones as a powerful imagery because stones don't make noise. If he had said the ducks would cry out, or the lions would cry out, or the bears would cry out, he'd be like, oh, all of creation makes noise. Oh, I get that. But he says the stones or the rocks would cry out. So he's in essence saying, one, if they would not give me honor, I could replace them with another form of my creation to give me honor. The second thing he says is even inanimate objects can give me praise. Those that don't normally make sounds can make sounds when I'm in their presence. That means it's not based upon culture, style, personality. I'm, I'm an intro, <laughs> extrovert. It doesn't matter. If stones would cry out, then we would cry out in the presence of God. And what he is essentially saying is, they were made for this. Colossians 1.16 says, For by him all things were created in heaven, on earth, visible, invisible, thrones or dominions, rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for by him. And, and for him, rather. And so, our heartbeat then is for you to see that Jesus in that moment is enjoying loud praise. So I say a word about our our worship leaders. You know, they're up here giving all they can to the Lord. Again, they have not said anything to me. They're giving all they can to the Lord. But our worship leaders should function like our hospitality team, right? Right. Our hospitality team, they're essentially ushers, right, taking you to your seat. And once they take you to their seat, they, you know, they just point to it. Now, the worship leader's job is to usher you into the presence of God through song. But you are already coming to worship anyway. Anyway so they don't have to pump you up and like, lift your hands and just praise him. In the same way, the hospitality doesn't have to be like, sit down, bend your knees, sit back, lean back, do a, they don't, you came to sit. So they don't have to give you all these instructions on how to sit down. In the same way, the worship team does not have to give you detailed instructions about worship if you came to worship. So therefore, the, what you see in the Psalms is directional, meaning when it talks about clapping your hands, it's directional. It's meant to invite you, not indict you. And that's why when you see a lot of, come on, praise them, come on, I mean, you don't love them, you know, and it's, and it's like, and it, in the end, it's indicting the crowd for not showing enough emotion. And I'm saying that if I've got to yell, then there's a problem. Because my voice shouldn't be louder than the voice of God that spoke to you this morning and that woke you up. And so, but, but I, but I want to say, I want to say, again, I'm not doing this for emotion. I'm doing this for authenticity because, you see, there are going to be new people that walk into that space. And this is our public witness. When you praise God, it tells people who God is. Your praise tells people who God is. So, so hear the Psalms and, and understand them as, again, an invitation, inviting you, not indicting. Psalm, four, uh, Psalm 134 says, come, bless the Lord. All you servants of the Lord who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Look what it says. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. Look what it says. It says when you lift your hands, you bless the Lord. And what that is essentially saying is if we were to lift our hands, it is a sign of surrender. And it's a sign of acknowledgement. It's a sign of showing the seismic nature of God and his magnitude and his majesty. But it is not a sign that I felt like lifting my hands. What you feel like when you walk in should not dictate how you respond to the worship atmosphere. Therefore, worship by nature is sacrificial. And based in faith, not in feeling. This is what we talk about when we talk about giving financially. We say, hey, tithe. And, oh, man. And again, we use it as a principle of tithing and whatnot. And we call it sacrificial giving. Because we know there are some months we just don't feel like giving that amount. But we don't be, we don't be like, hey, if you, feel it, if you feel it. We're like, we give all these stewardship principles and all that. But we've not added that to how we talk about worship. So it's like, there will be songs you're not feeling. <laughs> You don't like the... You're like, I just... I don't like the... This is not my song. I like the way the other girl does it. You know what I'm saying? And I'm saying... And that's when we kind of fall into a singing songs atmosphere versus corporate worship. And I'm I'm not... I am not saying nothing I haven't done. Psalm 47 clap your hands, all peoples, shout to God with loud songs of joy for the Lord, the most high is to be feared a great King, uh, over all the earth. So when he talks about fear, it's talking about reverence and honor. And so look what he says. He, He says that part of revering God and showing fear and showing his magnitude is clapping your hands and shouting, but, but when you shout, you're bringing your voice to its highest level. When you take these pieces of meat and you pound them together, it just make noise. And in many ways, God is praised when we make noise towards him. It shows that we revere him. Psalm 33. Shout for joy in the Lord, O righteous. Praise befits the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre, make melody him with the harp of ten strings, sing to him a new song, play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. Okay. Now, how many of y'all like it when we play skillfully up here? Y'all enjoy that? Y'all like that? Y'all like all the skillfulness? Amen. Well, the, you know, all of those are... are Um, stringed instruments they're talking about. And the psalmist said, play skillfully. Now, why do you think he said that? (laughs) Because he's saying if there's unskilled people uh, behind the strings, it's a distraction, and it's not the intention. But he also says, with loud shouts. So this shows that the intention of praise is to be skillful here, But to be loud out here. And that there makes a combined atmosphere that is powerful, that people can feel and see. And in many ways, it gives honor in such a powerful way that people can't help but experience the living God. Psalm 149 says, praise the Lord, sing to the Lord a new song His praise in the assemblies of the godly. Let Israel be glad in his maker. Let the children of Zion rejoice in their king. Let them praise his name with what? Dancing, making melody to him with the tambourine and the lyre. For, listen, for the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He adorns the humble with salvation. One of the things that the psalmist gets at is part of our ability to be vulnerable and open is humility. The dancing, the singing, it takes a humble spirit to be open and just say, I have come here to worship the living God. And in many ways, it takes humility to not care about how you look to the person to your left or to your right. Because see, we a cute church. (laughs) Everybody cute. And sometimes you come ready to be seen as opposed to ready to worship. And so the first thing that you're thinking about is, oh God, I And you're literally thinking, how do I sound around the people? Do y'all hear me? And, the, and, 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 and the literally every verse I've told you so far is about noise and being loud, skillfulness here, loudness out there. It has nothing about y'all sounding good. It literally has nothing. You, you sounding good does not bring him pleasure. Isn't that wild? Like you thinking like, yo, I sound crazy. Caught up in your presence. (sighs) (sighs) It takes humility, but it also takes saturation. I've come really just focused on God. And And so, one of the things that we're great at is community, but our community can become a distraction to our worship. Because you're literally having a horizontal mentality than a vertical one. Wow. So you're like, I've come to see my friends. Yes, but you've come to be intimate with the living God and praise him. And we're doing that together. That's what we don't get. We can hang out during the week. We can eat during the week. We can talk during the week. But we only get one chance to worship corporately like this. And so I've come ready to do that. We'll talk after. I'm now. I'm giving shouts of praise to the living God. Now, I want to say this. This is this is not for everyone, because I want to say that, one, the Bible is very clear. Psalm 22 and 23. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him. And what what says: and stand in awe of him. All you offspring of Israel. So I, I want to say that there, that does not mean <clears throat> that we're constantly loud because there are moments when you just have to get your heart filled up, where you gotta get your mind filled up and you just wanna be in awe of them. And there are days when you are tired, when you just can't give everything physically. But I wanna make two last points. Being emotional and loud without a heart of love for God, actually brings God anger. Amos 5 says, take away from me the noise of your songs. To the melody of your harps, I will not listen. But let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. The Bible says in Mark 12 that we should not only love the Lord our God with our heart, soul, and mind, and strength, but love our neighbor as ourself. This idea, therefore, is that I am to love God and show this expression to him, but he becomes enraged if you've been treating his people unkind, with gossip or slander, or hatred or malice in the same way that if a man were to uh, one day connect with a woman and like a woman who has a child and he sends her roses but then she comes to find out that while she wasn't around he was mean to that child a wife would be enraged and in fact she would be upset the next time he brought her flowers she would throw those flowers down, reject them and in fact, be upset by all the affection she's being shown by him because of the way you treat my kids. And in the same way, when we oppress, when we are bruised, when we, when we abuse, when we gossip and we slander, we do these things, thinking that we can just walk into worship and ignore that God didn't see it. And so that's why we come here confessing our abuses confessing our brokenness, and God is praised. Lastly, a point I made about fatigue. I say that because uh, I I am uh, 46, and I'm preaching a sermon about coming ready to worship, and sometimes I'm not always ready, and I'm the pastor. So I know there's going to be days when you just ain't into it. You're not feeling it. That's part of life. The Bible says in Ephesians 5 and 18, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Watch this. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with our heart. Literally, the Bible says when you're filled and controlled by the Spirit, notice it does not say addressing God. It says addressing one another when we praise God and we have the melody of the Lord in our hearts when you're giving everything to God in many ways I can borrow your faith I can borrow your praise literally there have been times when I've come into worship and I'm just not into it but I'm next to somebody who's going all and I'm like okay 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 okay. And and I begin to borrow their joy I begin to borrow their praise and so I'm not saying you're gonna be on it every week but I'm just saying be open come ready to be vulnerable but for those that are filled pour out before us overflow because someone needs your joy someone needs your peace someone needs your praise Someone is downtrodden. Someone is broken. Someone is in a tragic situation right now. And he's been too good for you to be quiet. So let us borrow. In a second, we will sing, this is a house of worship. This is a place of praise. And I pray you would sing it with all your hearts. As I mentioned um, about borrowing from one another. We did the All Nations Initiative, and um, we really saw the impact of COVID um, financially on us as a congregation. And we saw that some people were able to give, some people were not able to give, some people were able to give more than others. Our goal was to give above your tithe, to give 100%, and it was to give (laughs) $65,000. I had so many people come to me like, Pastor, are you, are you okay with that? Are you, are you tripping? Can we do that? And I, I understood that we were in a tough time financially. Um, but I knew that maybe there's some who could give more, some who could give, give less. The truth is, is that we reached a goal that I think was very good. Um, we ended up raising $25,509. Let's give that up to the Lord. is a lot of money to raise, and I praise God for it. Amen? Amen. 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 Now, I want you to know that one of the things that we're doing is 10% of that money that we raise is going to Next Steps Community Church. Has anybody served there? Next Steps Community Church. Uh, Young Life. It's going to Young Life. Praise God. And we're also sending that out to Send Network uh, Church Planting. So uh, we'll take 10% of what we raised and, and send that out. But I just want you to know something that um, because we are uh, praising God for all that he's done, I want you to know something. Just, I want you to know a little secret. This is actually the 10%. You see, what we actually raised was $255,000. Stand up and give God praise. Would you stand up? And give God praise. Would you stand up and give God praise. Give him praise. Give him praise. We hope today's message was encouraging to you. We would love to hear how God used this message to speak to you. If this message was impactful to you today, please send us an email. Info at bridgechurchnyc.com you can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Our handles on our social media platforms is Bridge Church NYC. Our website is BridgeChurchNYC.com. If you are in the New York City area, we would love to see you on a Sunday. Our services on Sundays are at 11 a.m. And the address is 345 Adams Street in downtown Brooklyn. Thanks for listening to our podcast today, and we hope to see you soon.